Peach. What's up, my fellow Sandy Bottoms? It's me, Princess Weeks. And it's me, Tessa Netting. And you are listening to The Geek Podcast, your weekly energy boost of the world's fandoms and stories you love or hate. I mean, I don't pretend to know your hearts, but I do know that if you're here, you got good taste. Yes. Each week, we're going to skim the surface of what's popular in geek culture, then deep dive into the lore of a Netflix world bigger than our own. Today, we just wanted to go back to dreaming. You know, we were catching up on our sleep, and so we thought, let's talk about the Sandman again, because we got a few more things we want to discuss. Yes. Also, we need to talk about the surprise two-part bonus episode that came out a couple weeks ago, along with maybe some theories or just, I don't know, our other Sandman thoughts. It blew my mind, so we need to discuss. Absolutely. More cats, more tears. But before we get into that, Tessa, my love, what's got you geeked this week? Oh, man. Probably what has me geeked out the most is honestly just two images that were released from the new Knives Out movie that's coming (laughs) out in December. I am so jazzed. There's also like an article that Ryan Johnson tweeted that I read and it just has me so excited because I have so much trust and faith and this is my most anticipated movie of the entire year of any movie that is being released this year. I am literally the most excited for this movie. Joe and I rewatch Knives Out all the time. I just cannot wait to see the new characters and the new situation because it's going to be so different than the first one and I'm so glad that they're doing that and not like continuing the story because now we can see this like incredible detective character that they created in all these different scenarios and mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah. I love that. Like as a as a Hercule Poirot fan and like a fan of like um, mystery novels, like I love that he gets to now go around with his terrible but fantastic accent <laughs> and solve <laughs> mysteries for all different kind of people. Exactly. And then the next one is like on this sort of like it's not a cruise, but it's sort of this tropical vacation type of vibe, like mystery suspense, like murder mystery type dinner party of like this rich person. And so we like don't know what's going to happen. And it's completely new people, a completely new cast. And I just can't wait to see what crazy group of characters we get next. It's almost like Clue, you know? So it's like, I want to see the next, (laughs) our next Clue that we have. Absolutely. I mean, they had me at Glass Onion because I'm just like, what could it mean? I know. I'm telling you, I was like freaking out. And Joe's like, don't show me. I don't want to be spoiled at all. Tell me nothing. I was like, okay. I won't. I love that. Yes. that The cast is so good. And I hope that he does more in it. One of them, he gets to put John Boyega in it. Because I want to see <gasps> a Ryan Johnson, John Boyega movie where, like, he can be the the lead, like, a co-lead. Like, he doing, like, what Ed Norton will be doing in this movie, I'm assuming, of being, like, this the cool character. Because I think, like, John Boyega would be such a great villain mm. character actor. The same way, like, Chris Evans is. That'd be so fun. Right. Ah. I really want Love Kelly that. Marie Tran, so she's she's my pick. <laughs> she's my Star Wars we'll just, pick to put in knives. <laughs> just put this, put them off, and like put make them in the in the third movie. Just them doing it. Just take the entire <laughs> cast of the Last Jedi, but like 
Oh just do it again, God. but a murder mystery. <laughs> just do it, but make it a murder mystery. Oh my God, stop. Not the way that that would be my absolute dream. I've right. definitely read like, a fan fiction that's that exactly. <laughs> right. But yeah, give me all the Knives Out movies, all the Ryan Johnson movies, I all the mysteries. I, I want more mysteries just in general. I'm really hoping mm-hmm. that that sort of genre catches on and starts coming back. Like, because... I just think it's so fun, especially when they're done well. If you really nail a mystery, oh, it's like, it's such a good movie. What about you, princess? So what got me geeked this week was I got to go to FlameCon, Mm. which in New York City is the biggest LGBTQ nerd convention on the East Coast. And it was fantastic. Like, I had such a good time. I got to be around so many amazing queer artists, around so many amazing artists and fans. And it's always been my favorite con because not only is there, like, great art and it's mostly Artist Alley. Like, it's spread out in a way where, like, you really get to look around and enjoy everything. But it just felt nice to see the community together of seeing a lot of materials that were very much delegated to embrace queer fans of all stripes and... Yeah, it was just it was just as someone who hasn't been able to do that in so long in terms of going to like a comic book convention of this kind, it was a great return. It was so lovely. The panels were great and just like enjoyed enjoyed every moment of it. I got a lot of fan art, a lot of gay fan art that's going to go all over my wall and I'm so happy. Yeah, I got this cute Korasame, uh, Korasame art from ah. Legend of Korra. And I'm just like, let's look like bisexuals. Oh, I love. But yeah, I got geeked about conventions. So we Yay. love it. We love cons. Invite us to cons. We will come. All right. So this surprise double feature was very cute. We get two stories from the Sandman comic, which are The Dreams of a Thousand Cats and the story of Calliope. I would love to know what you thought about these episodes, Tessa, and what it was like watching them after the very intense first season that we had to get through. Yes, these two stories were very intense in very different ways. The first one was very sad, The Dream of a Thousand Cats. I was very emotional and distraught over this. I, when I tell you (laughs) that I cried... At the weirdest <laughs> moments, because the whole episode, I'm looking at my cat just like, I want you to be right? free. Like, I was just like, you know what? If I'm subjugated by you, like, we good? Mm-hmm. You know? It's like it's like when people joke about the race war. It's like, you know, like when the cats come back into power, I just want my cat to have my back. Other than that, I'm good. I, like, do you think your cat would have your back? Um... <laughs> I don't know. I think so. Because she comes and cuddles up with me. I think she loves me, but she's also a bad bitch. So I don't know if she'll be sensitive enough for me. But we'll see. Can you describe your cat a little bit to me and to our listeners? Because I want to know all about your cat. So my cat, Lola, adopted her when she was five years old. She's a bodega cat rescue. She was rescued because she had a burn on the side of her little back. And I saw her, and it's the first cat I've, she's the first pet I've ever (gasps) owned. Oh my gosh. 
And as soon as I saw her on the adoption page, I was like, I must, I must love this cat. She's so sweet. She loves people, hates other cats. Mm, so okay. in just that regard, I feel like she'd want me around. You know what I right. mean? She's like, I don't want to be around these other I'm not like other cats. I don't think she would be dreaming with these other cats. She'd be like, fuck y'all. <laughs> she's just like she's like, I want to be big and independent, but I mm. want to just stay here though. Don't don't unsecure my bag. But she loves to eat. She's a little chonk. And she just loves to sleep and chill. I I worship the ground she walks on. And I could tell she's got a kind heart, but she also is just, like, over it mm-hmm. all the time. So I love that about her. So, like, the thing that got me is because I know she's an older cat. I know she's obvious, and she's a girl cat. Before she was fixed, she obviously probably had kids. So when you have this scene where you see that cat Ugh. and all her kittens get thrown to the water, I had to like pause and just like hold her and just like, I'm so sad. I was like, don't look. Don't look at this. And she's just sitting in the living room with me. And I'm like, don't look at this. Ugh. This is trauma. Yes. I was distraught. That was and then when that much. little cat at the end came and was like, I believe, I started bawling. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I was like, why am I crying over this? But because I just was like, man, hope is great no matter what your species is. I know. It was way too much. I'm a cat person, 100%. Right now, I have two cats that I've rescued. Joe and I, we have these cats together. The first, her name is Luna. She oh, is Luna and Lola. Thank Luna. Yes. Luna and Lola. Uh, so Luna is an all white flame point Siamese cat. Ooh. She's going to be seven this year. And then the second cat that we have, his name is Bruce, named after Bruce Wayne and Springsteen. Amazing. So little baby Bruce, he just turned two, and he is an all black Bombay boy. Ooh. He is very needy. And I'm just so absolutely obsessed with both of them. Like you, I worship my cats. I, it's just amazing. They're, they're just, they're, they look like cartoons because one's all black and one's all white. Both of my cats were watching me watch this episode, which was very <laughs> disturbing. I know, right? I was just like, I was just like, don't look, Lola. I know. <laughs> but it was one of those things where watching this, not only was it too sad and too emotional, and I was not expecting it at all, but I have also had this thought before of seeing my cats, like, when they're sleeping and they're twitching and they're, like, doing their little cat thing, and it's very cute, but I'm just like, huh, I wonder what they're dreaming about. Like, I've had that thought, and now I know. It's murder. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're dreaming about murdering the human race, which God yes. bless. I mean, if, I if you see what this fucking man did to these kittens, I would murder the human race as well. So it makes sense to me. Absolutely. I was like, you know, especially because her whole trauma is that like she had these babies and she like felt them die in her Ugh. like mother spirit. And I'm just like, like as soon as I saw him take them and put them in a bag, I was like, only bad things can come from this. Yeah. And like right now, as we are recording this, like we're in the middle of kitten season, which for those who may not know, it's like the period where like animal shelters are like very overwhelmed by mm-hmm. kittens and, and cats that get, you know, tossed away and it just is a, as a reminder, please uh, rescue, foster, yes. do not buy, because these cats do need homes and they end up hurt on the street or euthanized. And, you know, if you were 
any as I'm, like after I watched this this episode, I wanted to like adopt seven cats. Yeah, I I, I can't, but you know, I also was just like donate and like play stray and donate. But oh, definitely, and it's one of those things where I'm thinking if it is time for cats to be big and rule the world, I do hope that my cats would protect me and stay with me. I don't Absolutely. know if they would. They might not. Maybe one of them would eat me eventually. But it's okay. If they murdered me, that would also be okay. It's one of those things where I've thought about, like, if I died in my apartment and my cats ate my body because I was decomposing, I would want them to eat me. So Absolutely. <laughs> and I just think that, like— I just love the idea of like a human being writing a story where it's like, yeah, these cats are going to kill us because they (laughs) are just tired of our shit. And I was just like, you know what? As a feminist, I respect that. So if death by cat is the way I get to go out, you know, like that's better than a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Death by cat. Let's let's do it. Going into the next part, the next story, Calliope. So this one didn't make me sad. This one made me absolutely furious. Pissed off. <laughs> yes. It's like, shout out to Neil Gaiman for writing a thing all about the toxic muse stereotype. Because Oof. the entire time I was like, at first of all, I was like, Rory, if I Amy know. could see you right now, <laughs> she would be so mad at you. Like the Doctor Who fan of me was like, absolutely not, Rory. I know. Okay? I was also thinking that too. <laughs> Not my Times New Roman. I was so pissed. So, yeah, I was very annoyed by him for doing all these not good boy things because I'm used to him being a good boy. Oh, yeah, he was not a good boy here. Like him and Derek Jacobi. I'm like, not my gay uncle up here being a whole rapist. I was very agitated by this episode. And I, I remember the whole time, it was just like, Every time that Rory, which is what I'm going to call him, when Rory was like doing the interviews, like, you know, I consider myself a male feminist. I was just like, all the red flags, all the red flags, all the, I was like, someone sent him to jail. Do not pass go, go directly to jail. Oh yeah. Who does this bitch ass man like think he is trapping a goddess like to inspire him to write? Like I wanted to throw up. I was so pissed. And she kept asking like, just let me go. I'll help you. Let me go. And it's like, bitch, do you not understand that if you set her free and worship her like you should, then she'll inspire you in a way that's good and healthy and you'll both be happy? Like you trying to control her is not going to end well. It was so infuriating. I was so pissed. And like as a writer who suffers really bad from like, you know, insecurity, I was like, I wouldn't kidnap a whole person or deity for power because as a writer and reader, I know that they're going to get loose and they're going (laughs) to kill me. So it's like, even if I wasn't just a nice person who didn't believe in slavery, just like, Read a book, my dude. Do you think this is going to end well for you? You think kidnapping a goddess is going to be like, oh, yeah, all the way up? No. She's going to kill you. You're going to die, sir. Oh, yeah. Like, you're going to die. And for no reason. And 
I just, I really appreciated that his whole mentality about it was just kind of like this passive villainy because he's out there being like, you know, we got to make sure that it's diversity. When we did a production, like half women, half people of color. And put, I was like, like, I love that they show that like, mm-hmm. this can all just be so superficial when yeah. done by somebody who just really doesn't respect any of these ideas but knows it can be like a clout chasey experience and i'm just mm-hmm. like rory i put it better from you i'm gonna send river up to beat your ass like i was I so know. upset at him also what did this guy do with his fame he did nothing he like didn't move into a cooler apartment he didn't even like get to do cool things he didn't have all these bitches around him he was like just doing the same shit i was like if you're gonna go like the villain route then at least like be a little have some fun with it man like you're just a fucking loser yeah because like because he doesn't see himself as the villain he's like Mm. we're just working together we're it's like we're no 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 no. You are sucking her dry while you lock her away. Like, knowing that she was a- assaulted by old man Derek Jacoby. And I'm just like, sir, you need to go directly to jail. Absolutely. Directly to jail. I, know. I was so upset at all of that, which made me so happy when Morpheus came and was like, hey, uh, you want me to get this man? Because I can get this <laughs> yeah. man for you. And I'm just like, that's what we love to see exes coming together for vengeance. <laughs> that is a beautiful thing. It really was. It's like, ah, you want me to fuck this guy up? It's like, yes, please. Thank you. And I love how we keep seeing the, the theme that Dream is a very petty ex. Yes. That, like, because Calliope was like, how I didn't even think you were going to come. How many bitches did he hook up with? A lot. And he was messing up all their lives, girl. <laughs> just you wait. Slut of the endless over here. Man. But just like to- just toxic relationship yes. energy. He's like, he's like, oh, you're mad at me? Banish forever. Like, sir, go to therapy. Yeah. And all of them are like, you've changed. You're so much better. I'm like, this this is better? <laughs> like, damn. I know. It was it was so so awful but yeah I just I felt so bad for her was so glad I loved what she said about like she was letting him live and forgiving him not for him but for her own sake and Mm. I I am pro you know deal with it however you want if you want to forgive that's fine if you don't that's equally good but I just love it when survivors of trauma allow themselves to feel what they need to feel and not apologize for it like that's what's important whether it be pure vengeance or a little altruism i was like whatever it is girl i'm on your side Mm -hmm. i would have been especially heinous to him but that's i'm built differently so that's just me oh yeah i i really i really did love that he came and was like don't worry boo we may be exes but i will not let anyone play with you today so, so wait, they have a son? <laughs> oh, yeah. So in the comics, it's, like, explored that they had Orpheus, you know, a.k.a. the twink from Town, And, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't end great for him in mythology. And so mommy, you know, a lot of relationships can't survive the death of a child. And same thing goes for immortals. It didn't end well for them because of that. But yeah, we'll get, that'll happen more discussed Later in the series. I see. I see. Okay. In the future, are we just going to just be going through all of Dream's exes? Is this just going to be like Scott Pilgrim, but Sandman version? I mean, not yes, 
and no. Okay. We will be revisiting many of Dream's exes, and they will play significant roles in the story of himself more than anybody else. It'll be an interesting journey through what happens when an ageless being dates. It can be a lot. I mean, it seems like it. I was like, damn, this he has some messy, <laughs> he has a messy life going on here. Mess. Just yeah. total mess. <laughs> but in happier news, or just I was just really interested in seeing like what you thought of this season as a whole, what you, what some of your standout moments were and what you would like to see in another season of Sandman. Oh man. So I'm, I'm actually watching Sandman again. I'm watching it with Joe and it is very fun seeing him watch it because he, like you princess, is a big fan of the Sandman. So he kind of is like, oh, this is different than the comics. This is cool. I like this better. I don't like this as much. So it's very interesting for me to have that Mm -hmm. commentary and watch it again. But I, rewatching it, I just realized how freaking good uh, David Lewis, a.k.a. Professor Lupin, is in Lupin's this. Lupin's so good. He mm-hmm. is so insane. Like, honestly, in my brain, he could win an Emmy for this. Like, that's how good I think he is in this. It's... I agree. It, it's nuts. Like, it's really... He goes there, and he does it in such a calm... Like, it's... When you're be- playing a villain, it's so easy to just go so far and to just lose control every time and stay there. And he just stays so calm and it's so terrifying in the reality and the humanity that he puts into the character because, like, as you've told me and as Joe has told me as well, like, in the comics, he's so, like, not human. It, he doesn't even yeah. seem human. So they made him so human in this that it's, like, terrifying to me. So he was a huge standout for me. And another character that we didn't really talk about as much that I think was another standout was the Corinthian. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. So insane and good and hot and wow. Just nailed it. Yeah. And also really different from the comic in terms of the energy, but Mm -hmm. like really awesome in that. Like, I think that's another one of the great changes from one to the other is that like they really found a way to make the Corinthian like a really good secondary big bad. Yeah. Yes, it was convincing. Also, it was very, like, sometimes I was rooting for him. So it it was when they had yeah. that showdown at the end between him and Dream, I was like, I don't know who I want to win here. So That's true. You do, lo- you do love a villain. Mm-hmm. I do also love that the Corinthian was, like, both evil and gay, but didn't feel yes. like he was evil because he was gay. Yes. You know, like, if we're going to say be gay, do crimes, we want... To see gay criminals. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that he's like, yeah, I'm out here buggering, but like, whatever. <laughs> I also want to have mad control and mad power. So I respect that and his hustle. And I just, I really love the direction they picked with that character because it is so much more involved with the plot and it makes him feel like more of a threat that Morpheus has to deal with in the later half of the season. Do you think that we're going to see, like, any other villain that comes close? Or is that giving too much away to me? I can't say anything, but I will say that we end this this season with setting up one of my favorite conflicts in the comics, which is (gasps) the conflict between 
Lucifer, Morningstar, and Dream. Let the challenge begin. So, the devil's going to get their due. Hell yeah. I love a good devil story, being a supernatural fan, and also, you Mm. know, loving Sabrina, loving other things, like bringing Lucifer. Let's do it. Let's go to hell. Let's see it pan out. And it seems like hell wants to expand. So let's see if it can do it. Hell is in their MLM mode. They're yeah. like, all right, how can we level up, mm-hmm. bring in some new mind? And Gwendolyn Christie is so good because so good. she has this like very angelic softness to her face with the way they do her little hair curls, but still is super threatening because she's like an Amazon woman. Mm-hmm. So it's just like perfect casting is perfect. I am. Um... Beast of judgment. And she's playing Lucifer in a way that is so different than any other Lucifer that I've seen be portrayed in like media and television before. Because a lot of the other times that Lucifer was, again, very manic, very like over the top or very just like so threatening and quiet. And she is just the way that her voice is is like light and airy and that she like just is very specific about the words that she says and like thinks about what she says before she says it. It isn't just like blurting out and showing that. It just, to me, reminds me that, oh, she was an angel first and that's why she is here now, which is just such a good reminder for Lucifer. And then also, it's just so... It's scary in a way that makes me like hang on her every word. And I I love that. And I want her to say all of the things to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I think she's one of the standouts. She's so intimidating and powerful mm-hmm. and strong and interesting, like very compelling to watch on screen. So like they're definitely hinting at that being in the future for their conflict. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that turns out because I love those characters. I also love how she's so much taller than him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it it works. Like, perfect casting is perfect because of that to me. It's like, yeah, I love that you're, like, standing above this, this tiny twink. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you, we need to humble this king, okay? We need to humble him real quick. Absolutely. Princess, do you have any other character standouts from this first season? Or is it mainly just Lucifer? Um, I loved Lucifer. I also really loved Rose. Thanks, buddy. I loved mm-hmm. that very simplistic character. Like, whenever people are trying to find their family and, like, finding themselves back home, I'm a sucker for that. I'm like, yes, find your siblings, bring the family back together, reconnect. So I really enjoyed how they used that. And I liked how, when it came to Lyra Hall, I believe her name is, how they kind of worked around all the DC connections to kind of still make that character very emotional and grounded in this universe. I just really, the more I think about the show and watch it, I think like what a great service it does to like the original comics that updates everything, I think in a really thoughtful way. And whether or not you, you still prefer the comics to this, it's a great adaptation of this really great work. 
So I'm just happy that it's here and that other people get to watch it. And like you get to experience it in this new way. Yeah, definitely. Have you seen any sort of like fan reaction or internet reaction to The Sandman? Overall, it's been very positive. And I think a lot of people are really enjoying some of the changes. Like I I said, like the diner scene is very very intense Mm -hmm. in the comic in a way that I can see can be uncomfortable for some but I've seen a lot of people feel like this still got the tone and energy across Mm -hmm. but in a much less visceral way so I have seen that and I know a lot of people like the casting so overall I think people are just really responding well to it yeah I I mean from what I've seen like if you love the Sandman you will love this show like if you're already a fan of the Sandman and you're not watching this you should immediately because you're really going to love it even though there's changes and then for non-Sandman fans y'all get to episode five and six like the diner episode and then the episodes after it just ramps up into this whole thing once you get that and once you get to that point and then when you get into the like Rose Walker storyline, it just it it goes a lot faster because. Right. And, and sometimes we just need to, and like you need world building for a show mm-hmm. like this because the show is very dense mm-hmm. already. For sure. So you do need some like time to kind of get your footing. And I think it's like it is a telling a fully contained story. You still got a really solid season of a really solid story. I think that's equally as important, just that, like, we got it and we got it well done and it's watchable as its own thing. Definitely, for sure. It's like, if we never got another thing, then there's still all of these, like, comics that we can read. Like, it's all there. The story is still there. And then... So that means, like, how much of this story can we get? Like, how much is Netflix going to give us? So it's like, give us as much as we can, please. Like, we all want it. Absolutely. So, like, please, Netflix, give us all the Sandman. We we want, we want please, all the sir. Sandman, please. So for my one more thing this week, there was a lovely young woman, I believe her name is Sapphire Official, who did a song for Eddie Munson from Stranger Things and sent it to me in my DMs. And it was really fun and really good. I just want to say shout out to you and all the artists making fun music about your fandoms. Like, that's so fun. That's so lovely. I'm so glad you get to do that and have a good time with it. So thank you for sharing and thank you for being so cool. Oh. I I love that so much. And I, wait, I think she sent me the same thing as well. And I think I uh, reposted it on TikTok because I loved it so much. And it was excellent. So yeah, my one more thing is please feel free to send us things like in our DMs. And in, if you have any Netflix related things like you can tag me on TikTok. I all if someone tags me in a TikTok, I always almost always watch it. And I uh, so tag us in your favorite Netflix related TikToks, theories, uh, songs, fan works, funny little stories, filters, all the things. Uh, I want to know all the things. So please tag us in all of your things, please. Thank you. Okay, y'all. Well, you know the drill. If you like us, follow us. 
And you can find The Geek Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And for those of you who cannot get enough of us, let us know with a five-star review. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts. You could do that on Spotify. And we'll even read some aloud if you type one up for us on the show itself. So this week, let's see if we can read one. Um... Okay, this is from Shay Like the Butter. (laughs) Fantastic geek content. I absolutely love this podcast. I've been a huge fan of Tessa's for a while, and I'm now a big fan of Princesses as well. They bring the fun, silly, and fangirl content that I have been craving and felt was missing from many other geek-centric podcasts. I'm always so excited to hear them discuss their ships in the obsessive way I feel about my ships. Truly, we are kindred spirits. I appreciate the perspective of two queer women who are fully seated in the throw oh i thought it said throne (laughs) in the throes of fandom culture that sometimes gets overlooked the kinds of voices we need more of in all geek and fandom spaces oh my gosh thank you thanks to them both for their excellent takes and wonderful selves in the pod oh thank you what a sweet sweet review oh my goodness we are in the throes we are (laughs) we are in the throes so y'all you got to step it up and leave us one that's as good as that because that's incredible but so do that right now please thank you and anyway the geeked podcast is hosted by me tessa netting and me princess weeks you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, anywhere on the internet at Tessa Netting. And you can find me on YouTube as Princess Weeks and on Twitter at Weeks Princess. And if you're ready for me to warm up these very raggedy vocal cords, uh, stay tuned because next week we are taking the stage and talking about musicals because, you know, we got our very own musical genius in the room. That's you, princess. You are the, we are. <laughs> we we will combine our skills and become the next Lin Manuel Miranda. Yes, our, right. Our Voltron. You've heard it here first. Our Voltron yes. powers will combine just for this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I'm very pumped. You know, I love musicals. Let's do it. This is a Netflix Geeked and Spoke Media production. Our executive producers are Keisha T.K. Dutez, Brigham Mosley, Aliyah Tavakolian, and Keith Reynolds. Kelly Kolf is our producer, and Reyes Mendoza is our associate producer. Delora Patton is our coordinating producer. Special thanks to Carson McCain. Sound design and engineering by Evan Arnett, who also composed and performed our original theme. To stay updated on all things geek, be sure to follow us at Netflix Geek on Twitter, Instagram, and the TikTok so that we can just know all the ways you love us. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.